0: Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of Roundball Ramble. I am your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin NBA. There's a hoopball presentation, so check out Hoopball on Twitter at Hoopball Tweets online, hoop ball.com. The preseason roller coaster continues. Fantasy basketball leagues are starting. I'm already in two right now. Slow draft, I love it. Uh, and if you want to get on with all the resources we have to offer, you can get on that easily again at Hoopball hoop ball.com on Twitter, at Tweets between your fantasy draft guide, who to pick up, who to drop, everything you need to know to have that edge in your league. Definitely make sure to check that out. Also, with the NBA back, so is Manscaped. Definitely wanted to make the most of that. Uh, with my beard coming in, I will definitely be looking into that more myself. You can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code HoopBall20. That's H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L 20 thats hoopball A L L two zero. One more time, 20% off plus free shipping, which is usually a kicker for me. I love that. H-O-O-P B A L L 2 0. Definitely make sure to check it out at madskimmed.com. All right. Today, Roundball Ramble, round we are still very much in the offseason. Until October 19th, I consider all of this still offseason. I will not be swayed uh, with preseason hot takes and, and stuff. That's not me today. Uh, we are actually still doing team off season reviews, season previews, uh, division previews, whatever you want to call it. But right now, we are looking at the Houston Rockets, and I am happy to be joined by a longtime friend. Uh, you can find him on Twitter. at at hoops Metrox, H-O-P-S-M-E-T-R-O-X. Definitely Houston Rockets fan, NBA YouTuber, basketball coach extraordinaire. I can keep going on and on, but his name is Patrick. Patrick, how you doing, sir?
1: I am doing great, man. We got the regular season coming up in uh, less than two weeks now, so I'm just pumped for that. The Rockets, obviously, have been making some changes in the last calendar year and different expectations than we usually go into the season with, but I'm here for it. I am excited. I'm glad you actually
0: alluded to that because that was the first question I want to ask you. You take take last year and try to sum it up. I, I look, no, going from where I was, you were looking at the Rockets contenders. Um, you know, they are pseudo contenders. I think uh, switching Russell Westbrook, obviously that wasn't the greatest fit. And I'm saying that as a Russell Westbrook stand, uh, but you bring it out him for John Wall, which at this stage of their career is just not as good a player. And that's even with Westbrook's warts, at least in my opinion. Bring him in, you're like, okay, we can still try to make that work. But then Harden, it just seemed to have checked out. You know, they um instantly kind of came in out of shape. Well, first he was kind of like long, drawn out, kind of, will he, won't he deal with the Rockets, comes in, um, basically kind of just mails it in, is shipped out. I mean, the Rockets instantly, I'm running through this because it was a blur to me. I'm, I'm actually anxious to get your um, input here. But they went from a team that I thought, okay, we'll be like five or six in the West to, wow, we are rebuilding. And then they had that just long long losing streak uh instantly turned to a developmental process uh i really felt the worst for coach steven silas who had to endure all of that uh coming under one set expectation and and having a totally different one but um that's just my like bird's eye far away kind of view um from someone who's more on the ground with that pat what what have you what did you see from last year uh just kind of doing a recap of it all
1: yeah obviously the rockets had an interesting season last year Uh, a couple ups mostly downs but you know, like I said, the expectations were different than we thought coming into the season. And it's just kind of a there's different segments to the season. Uh, once Harden was gone, it was clear uh, what direction the season was going. And it was just a matter of uh, after so many success, successful seasons prior to last season, tampering those expectations down. Uh, my personal favorite segment of the season was uh, towards the tail end when we got to see more of the uh, young guys, including K.J. Martin, as well as the emergence of point center Kelly Olynyk. Uh Kelly unlocked some interesting parts of uh KJ's game along with a few others. And I think they may have gotten a replacement that can replicate some of that magic in the draft.
0: Okay. Let's actually let's go straight to the draft. Um, they were big. I mean, you had the number two pick. Uh, it was a lot about um not really Kay Cunningham. We knew he was already gone, but Jalen Green, Evan Mobley. Uh, there was some outside stuff for um Jalen, um, Jalen Suggs, but Looking at who they end up drafting, you know, guard Jalen Green from G League Ignite, my type of player, uh, just a dynamic shot maker, but I'd like you to kind of go in, especially if you're someone with the deep scouting experience that you have. Like, what do you like about his game? What did you see about him being drafted? And what were your reactions? Was he someone that you were hoping the Rockets would select at number two?
1: So at first I was hoping for Mobley, but then once he, once he made it clear, he didn't want to be in Houston, you know, like I want guys that want to be here. (laughs) And I feel like Jalen green absolutely wants to be here. He's, he's a walking bucket offensively. He already has a lot of strong foundations to to continue to build on, such as his isolation scoring. Mm -hmm. But the part of his game that I'm most excited about is his ability to play alongside another ball dominant player, like Kevin Porter jr. Uh, He shows a willingness to come off screens, set up teammates and do the small things required to build a willing to build a winning team in the long run. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensively, I think he'll need some experience both on the court and in the weight room to really blossom on that end. But from all that he has said, he seems to want to be a two-way threat. Um, I think somewhere in the range of 15 points and four assists is realistic for his rookie season. I wouldn't be shocked if he pushes that point average even higher with some you know huge breakout performances, similar to what KPJ had last year. Um, I do think he's situated nicely to win rookie of the year. Uh, And it's something that he values. I I see other fan bases knock him for being outspoken about wanting to win individual awards. But I think the fact that he's being candid about that means we can take what he says at face value, including the comments about wanting to be a two way player, while other rookies may just be giving answers they think people want to hear.
0: I 100% agree with that that's a very interesting kind of perspective because you're right you kind of get that whole you know I'm here to impact my team uh make an impact you get the really good guys saying oh I just hope to be kind of good and it's like come on man you obviously know you're gonna be good or think you're gonna be good like that type of um dialogue I'm with you so you have someone like that who I'm actually for it you know why not say hey yes I want this individual award yeah I mean rookie of the year within the team concept is really about your own individual play anyway it's not like you know, you have open lobbying for defense player of the year. and You could have people negatively, um negative impact try to like sell out on one one way to make themselves look good. I feel like for the defensive player of the year award, I feel like for the rookie of the year award it is just about playing as best you can and if that impact seems successful, then great. And if you want to own that, I'm sorry, what's wrong with with wanting to be good? You know, like I'm with that. Definitely. But um, looking at what he did in summer league, I mean, I was there for a good chunk of it and definitely watched. I mean, the Houston Rockets in general were just so fun. But if you look at uh, just specifically green, uh, he averaged 20.3 points per game. He shot 51% from the field, 52% from three-point range. Like, I, I think his year with the G League Ignite team really helped him. Mind you, this is, of course, Summer League, but the the learning curve was different because although Summer League basketball players, for the most part, aren't, like, of course, the, run, the ones who run into on a regular basis, they are more so that than just college. So kind of having a different feel for that and just slipping right into form, I really was impressed by Summer League.
1: Yeah, I was too. Uh, What you said about the Ignite, totally true. Uh, He only got a a few games with Ignite in terms of relative to the guys they're playing in college. They played a lot more. Mm -hmm. But I think the whole getting into the mindset of being a professional is a hurdle he doesn't have to clear this year. So a lot of these guys, uh, Cade Cunningham, uh, Suggs, they're going to have to get into the mindset of, okay, I'm a pro now. What does that all entail? Green's been around pros already for a year now. He, he knows what it entails. And so he just has to worry about what's going on on the court and less about what's going on off the court.
0: 100% agree, and then that's something I'm looking at too. In addition, like you said, um, kind of just getting into weight room more, um, being able to kind of uh, take contact, going to the rim, uh, stuff of that sort, and working his ball handling—not ball handling, but offensive initiation skills—to be like an equal engine, I think, to someone like a Kevin Porter Jr. And we'll talk about that more in, in a minute. But looking at the other draft picks they had, uh, you know, the trade with the Thunder at number 16, uh, they were able to, uh, the Rocks were able to uh, draft Alprin Sengun, uh, Shingun, um. Uh, forward center, really good footwork. we talked talk about him for a second, Um, as well as Usman Garuba at number 23, and then Josh Christopher at number 24. Uh, Looking at those guys, starting with Shingun, but uh, out of all those guys, are are there a few that you're like, you know what, I like that pick uh, for the player that they had or for where they were when the Rockets drafted them?
1: Absolutely. So I don't do as much scouting as I used to, but uh, Shingun, he's impressed me a ton, uh, a lot both with his grit as well as his skill. Uh, I think his grit is exemplified in his relentless relentlessness on the boards and his skill by both his ability to drive to the basket from the perimeter as well as already being an above-average passer at his position, uh, whether that be as a point for, or power forward or as a center. Uh, he seems like an incredibly fun player to play with as well, trying to get teammates involved. And I think the Rockets would be wise to let him take control of possessions every now and then to see exactly how far his playmaking skills can go. Uh, he is, of course, who I referenced earlier when I mentioned the replacement for Olympic. He definitely won't be the shooter that Olenek was last season, at least not in the immediate future. Um, His form doesn't look terrible on that end, but, I mean, Olenek is, you know, a special shooter. Uh, But his creativity passing the ball combined with his footwork should make for some interesting pick-and-roll possessions with players like K.J. Martin and Christian Wood. Uh, Defense is the question mark for him. In summer league, I was pleasantly surprised by his ability to protect the rim, but the regular season will be an entirely different animal as far as pace of play and physicality. I wouldn't put it past him to step up his game on that end after gaining some experience, but I'd caution fans against jumping ship too early. And instead being patient with him as he's overcoming, not just an obstacle of play, but also of language. Okay.
0: Got you for sure. I got to say, you kind of talked about his relentless, his relentlessness and his drive and how impactful that is just kind of coming in, especially as a young player in the NBA. I want to give you a player comp that I'm not, it's my own. So, I mean, take that with major grains of salt. But, like, I kind of see a little bit of like this, under, like, kind of undersized, but he plays bigger than his size, really good in the post, has a decent jumper. I think he stretches out to three a lot more than the player I'm about to compare him to did, Um, at least until the other guy was later in his career. But I kind of feel like a, a little bit of a um, Luis Scola type. Is that is that something there that is at least an interesting comp, or am I a little bit off-base? I'm fine. I'm just curious.
1: No, I, I have heard the Scola comp. I, oh, okay, I don't cool. hate it. I, I okay. think that... Uh, I think that defensively, I hope that he's a little bit better than Skola was. I was, <laughs> I, I was a little bit younger back when, you know, Skola was on the Rockets. Yeah. But uh, I was always frustrated with Skola's defense offensively. You know, the, he's he's a dog. He does everything you'd want, the dirty work. He has, mm-hmm. you know, that that scoop shot that I think Shingoon has already kind of integrated into his game somewhat, especially mm-hmm. with all the fakes and the up and unders. Shingoon really, like, I, I can see that comp totally. Uh, okay. Sabonis, Damante Sabonis is another player I think that is interesting comp. Um, I hate to go only international with the comps here. I I know, uh, I
0: feel bad. Yeah, I know what you mean. (laughs) I mean, listen, on a certain extent, it's like, I don't know. I don't want to make an inaccurate comp for the sake of it, although you're right. Like you said, it is, you know, I don't want to typecast them in a, in a, okay, let's look at the greatest international players. Cause we have another one and try to apples to apples it, but um, I'm with you there. I think those guys are, are just good comps. So now if I'm like, Oh, you know, I also see some, uh, Vlade Divatra or Vita Sabonis, then maybe I'm going too much in, in a certain direction. But um looking at a guy, I think defensive first in Garuba and then an also interesting player in Josh Christopher, who I did see a little bit of not the biggest college basketball fan, but I mean, I am based in Arizona right now and he played for Arizona State Um uh, what are your takes on both those guys? I, I think Karuba is someone who can just play like really good minutes, a defensive minded center who can just finish around the rim. Uh, Josh Christopher is someone who's a little more interesting to me. I think that he's almost like a little bit of a Jalen Green type of Kevin Porter type of player, much lesser in regards of ball handling, passing, shooting, but that type of archetype of like, he he doesn't seem to be a guy who plays off the ball as much as like on it.
1: Yeah. Uh, looking at Karuba first, I think yeah. that, uh, I heard from someone in the front office I'm not sure. I don't want to label you know attribute this quote to anyone specific cuz I'm not sure about the name but they said uh they in their opinion he was the best defensive player not currently in the NBA mm. and I don't know if I'd go that far but he absolutely is you know a, a defensive monster who who can absolutely make an uh impact on that end offensively I'm not sure if he's there yet okay. I, I don't think that it's you know beyond the realm of possibility he gets there this season. He did hit a corner three already in, in the preseason. So, okay. like, there's there's some semblance of an offensive game there. And the Rockets have versatile enough bigs that, you know, finding a spot for him in the offense isn't impossible. I, I would expect more to see him in the G League this season, uh, getting, you know, soaking up minutes there, really learning rotations at the not quite NBA level, but, you know, getting close to that NBA level in the G League. And then maybe towards the end of the season, once, you know, I, you know, once, once it's pretty clear what the Rockets are seating wise, maybe I expect to see him get more minutes. But early on, I expect more uh, off the bench spot minutes and G League once that season starts.
0: Cool, cool. And then as far as Christopher, sorry, I interrupted you there.
1: No, 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 no. I was, I was John Norris. No uh, um, Christopher, absolute dog on defense. You can tell he really loves playing defense. He was pressing full court in summer league. Uh, I'd expect to see even more of that here. Uh, he came in in that uh, was, I think the first preseason game and hit like three threes at the end of the game. So wow. the shot, while work in progress, is you know progressing. I he he wasn't a great outside shooter in college, but he it doesn't have a bad form at all. He definitely, and like you said, he is more of an on ball than an off ball player, which again, tends to lend itself more to let's get him reps in the G league so he can gain that experience on ball. They had a lot of ball dominant players with him in college. So he didn't get quite as much experience as you'd like to do in college. And the Rockets already have so many players at their NBA level that need the ball in their hands to, you know, progress. I think again, not that it's a lack of skill, but I think G League might make more sense for him at the beginning, and then you kind of transition him in slowly to NBA minutes. Uh, there's just so many players on the Rockets roster right now that kind of deserve minutes that it's easier to see a G League role for him at the beginning, and then we'll see from there.
0: Okay, got you. For sure, for sure. It makes a lot of sense there. Uh, and, and this is a Rockets team that has a lot of that type of player that with the exception of maybe, you know, some of your – Your Jalen Green's or Kevin Porter's are going to be guys who, especially in this most recent crop of of uh, draft pickups, will kind of maybe spend some time between you know getting development time in the D League and also playing some minutes on this Rockets team. But um, kind of going back from just just specifically um the draft and going more to the offseason for the Rockets outside of that, the player personnel moves that didn't involve you know, obviously the biggest stuff, more around the edges. You did um, gain Daniel Tice while losing uh, Kelly Linnick, Avery Bradley, DJ Wilson, Sterling Brown, a few others who didn't play just a whole lot. But when you look at that, I mean, was this kind of part of the course? Uh, Were you excited about maybe getting Daniel Tice in in relation to maybe Kelly Linick, who I thought actually did pretty good with the Rockets, although playing, I would think, mostly the same role. Like, what are your thoughts kind of – how would you kind of grade – all of that because it is moves around the edges. Like no one's really moving the needle here. Those who left and those who are here, but at the same time, I do think it's interesting how Houston uh, sort of decided to kind of lean more into their young players and maybe bring just one more veteran type player.
1: Yeah. It was disappointing to see Olympic leave just because I thought he gained a lot of like valuable chemistry with some of the younger players, but I do understand the reasoning mm-hmm. for the Rockets to bring Tyson and said, Uh, He's a much better defender than Olenek and the team needs to start making steps towards becoming a winning ball club again. I don't think Tice does that all by himself, of course, Mm -hmm. but getting the younger players used to playing with a positive defender, anchoring the court is a must in that journey. Um, I have major doubts about his ability to space the floor at the level he did uh, in the 2018, 19 season for the Celtics. At this point, that seems kind of like an outlier shooting season. He was only shooting, I think one a game that season, but uh, overcoming one non-shooter in the lineup shouldn't be too, too major of an obstacle I do wonder how much he plays alongside Tate unless Jayshon comes in the season as an improved shooter, because one non-shooter is, you know, easily able to be overcome. Two non-shooters is much more difficult though. Okay. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that, you know, it makes sense, but uh, it was only a three-year guarantee with a team option on the fourth year, I believe. Mm. So it's not, it's not a very difficult contract to move at around nine a year either. Okay. So I don't know how long he's on the team, but I think that having that positive defensive anchor is good for the team.
0: I get that. You think that he might be someone, let's say, I don't want to put the words here, but let's say the Rockets are like 15 and 34 or something, you know, midpoint of the year, um, and they can move him to a contender for some additional draft picks, young guys. Do you think Houston would probably consider that to continue the course they're on? Is that kind of like uh, a player in ties that can both kind of help now, but maybe also be like a sell high?
1: Absolutely. Uh, it also kind of depends on what they're getting from Shingoon and maybe Garuba as well. Okay. Uh, I hate to say it, but I think even Wood wouldn't be an untouchable, given you know how the season goes. Uh, I, I would love to see Wood stay. He's a, one of the most unique players I think in the league right now with his ability to both face up, shoot the ball. And then if he has a mismatch down low, he can dominate that mismatch down low as well. Uh, his, his game still seems to be growing from when we first had him on the Rockets years and years ago to where he is now. It's just major leaps and bounds. So I think that uh, it would have to be a very good offer for the Rockets to even consider moving wood. But at his, what, $13 million or so he's being paid, like, there's going to be contenders that are calling, absolutely. Oh,
0: for sure. For sure. And, and let's take a moment. I don't want to go too far because I do want to get back to the current roster. But like you did say Christian Wood, is he someone I feel he's in a weird space right now because at 26, I think, you know, he's he's not. Quite, he's not old by any stretch, man. I don't want to even say, I mean, that's my age, so I'm not going to say he's old, but also like he's not quite, you know, a 20 year old um, Jalen Green or a 21 year old Kevin Porter Jr. Like he's in that weird kind of gap that isn't that weird on a winning team or even like a decent team, but definitely kind of stands out on a rebuilding team. And so you did say he's someone that's not untouchable. What do you kind of see his role as moving forward? Because I don't know if you build around a guy like that who his future isn't necessarily tied for certain to this franchise, even though, uh, you know, it's a little bit different. His role uh, coming in alongside James Harden, you know, coming in last year is now different than him being not the guy, but kind of the guy right now for this Houston Rockets team.
1: Yeah. I think that his role on this team, uh, no, I, I've actually expected to be a little bit larger, but given how Kevin Porter Jr. is already playing in the preseason, mm-hmm. I think his role on the team is going to be a little bit odd. He doesn't seem to really – you know, have his role even fully grasped himself at this point. And age-wise, him and Tate are kind of both in that boat. I know Tate was just a rookie last year, but he spent time overseas. Uh, he played at Ohio State a few years ago. And uh, both of them, I think, given their age, that's kind of why they're they're probably not untouchable. Uh, I think Tate, if his, if the shot's real – some team is going to be coming in offering quite a bit for him because his defense is clearly real. We saw a full season of him locking down on defense. Um, And then, you know, getting back to Wood, I think that second option is the floor for him at this point. I think he is going to be a bigger part of the offense than Green, unless Green is just mind-blowingly good right off the bat. But uh, second option is the floor right behind KPJ. Uh, first option probably is what everyone expected two months ago, three months ago. But again, with a, with a player like KPJ who, who came in not quite happy with where he was last season and then where he is now, he's made huge, huge jumps too, just like Woodhouse. And given the age, you can see how the Rockets would prioritize touches to KPJ over touches to Wood, especially given the general NBA landscape right now and where touches usually come from.
0: Definitely get that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It is something where it's a matter of fit. And I guess, you know, for a guy trying to find a fit on a team that is reevaluating his own, uh, that definitely could make for an awkward relationship. Although I am looking forward to seeing kind of how he performs. because I am high on Christian Wood and his story, you know, definitely is something that, you know, you're trying to find your way. Oftentimes, these type of players don't actually ever get there you know, or they do, but it's not in the NBA. It's overseas or whatever the case may be. So for him to kind of get his way back is really cool. Like you said, I hope for the best, but I do like the way you were able to kind of flesh it out. Um, but going back to Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, first off, uh, we could talk about him for specifically and then maybe his future in the backcourt alongside Jalen Green. But what are your thoughts on his long-term upside? Because, I mean, this guy's clearly talented, um a, a guy who I cannot believe the Rockets got for so low I think we all knew this when it happened like what was Cleveland doing but that we'll say that for Cleveland because you could say it for a lot of things Cleveland this time but like looking at um Porter based off what you've seen kind of how high can he go
1: yeah just to piggyback on what you said about the Kazar. I think they made a huge mistake giving up KPJ for <laughs> a heavily protected second round pick I mean exactly. it's pretty much Pretty much a washing machine. Like, <laughs> for real. Like, come, come on now. <laughs> uh, I, I think potential All Star would not surprise me at all. Not this season. I don't think he's an All Star this season, both because he's still developing and the Rockets win totals just aren't going to be there to really merit an All Star appearance. But long term, I mean, I think he's got superstar potential. Uh, he's still listed at six foot four, but I think he's closer to six six at this point. Uh, and he's got the bulk to physically impose on smaller guards. I think a 20, maybe even 22 points a night. To go along with eight or so assists is reasonable for him this season. Uh, he has a full offseason learning stylus of system and building chemistry with teammates. Whereas last season, he came in very middle of the season, not happy with his previous team, not really in the greatest mind space when he first got here. And he made the most of it, peaking with a 50 point double double performance against one of the best defenses and individual defenders in the league. His bag is about as deep as you could expect from a 21 year old. And I do really feel like he's only scratched the surface as far as his play goes. Uh, his defense is better than I think most people give him credit for. Is he, he's able to use that superior size at the point guard spot to physically dominate some of the smaller matchups he has and will see. Uh, I, again, I'm, I'm super high on him. I, I think that uh, his, his ability to you know not only um, dominate on the court but also build relationships with teammates is also underrated
0: like i like it for sure i'm very high on him as well Uh shot separation ability shot making ability like you said especially at the size and being as young as he is uh yeah uh, uh, uh just a, a great little piece of uh trade business i used to be able to do um great pickup and some of that yeah moving forward you just i will i really am just enamored with this guy and what he can be um alongside each like other backwards with Jalen green uh is there a Maybe a comp or anything you kind of see between these guys? Maybe, I mean, not even like a specific player comp, but like, are we looking at two guys who can just like, let's say two years down the line, can effortlessly like create shots for themselves and others? Is it more of like a Dame CJ kind of thing? Albeit a little bit taller. Kind of what do you see between these two guys that I think will make them such an electric backcourt?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Dame would be a, a really awesome outcome for him. I'm oh, not yeah. expecting quite that much. No, but <laughs> defensively though, defensively though, they absolutely have more potential than the Dame and CJ backcourt. Which obviously the defense is their Achilles' heel. Who does? Offensively, <laughs> offensively, they're both uh, great. I mean, Dame and CJ. Uh, I did have my doubts prior to the draft about the Porter Green backcourt, but Green's ability to play both on and off the ball, and some could has helped answer some of those questions I had about the pairing. They seem to really want to play alongside each other as well. You know, uh, oftentimes that's a huge key in terms of making it work, just the want to make it work. Uh, I think the beginning of the season we may see some rough batches as they, you know, learn the ins and outs of each other's game. But, again, I preach patience to Rockets fans. This isn't a sprint. It's a multi-season marathon with this young core.
0: Definitely get you on that. Got to agree with that as well. Um, looking from this young core to some more of the veteran players. Uh, We look at namely John Wall, Eric Gordon, two guys who are all of a sudden on the outside looking in. Uh, Wall and the Rockets obviously have kind of come to a kind of resolution I'll be attentively in terms of, hey, he's not going to play for the Rocks this year, but we're going to try to find a way to kind of get him to move on. Uh, obviously, Wall still wants to play, although, like, statistically, the final numbers don't look that great like he did if you just look at how he played. Looked better, looked healthier, um had his moments. Uh, let's start with Wall. Uh, how do you see that situation resolving uh, in terms of just his his, his future? Uh, not with the Rocks. We know that's over. But, like, where he could possibly go? Will it be by a buyout? Do you think it'll be a trade? Uh, just uh, put on your little fortune uh, cap on. but where, where do you see that going?
1: I wouldn't be shocked to see him on the team all the way into next offseason. His contract okay. is, is just so big that yeah. uh, even the even the teams that could use his services, they won't be able to put a package together, I think, that makes sense for both sides during the regular season. You have a lot more flexibility during the off season to make those moves work with contracts coming off the books and whatnot. And I think next offseason, with only one more year on his contract, uh, is, is where we should look in terms of him moving. There's going to be teams that need point guards. Uh, the Celtics only have uh, – their point guard on a one-year deal. So I think that uh, there's going to be teams looking to make the deal. But, again, I, I absolutely thank Wall for the sacrifice he's making because coming back from that Achilles tear, it's, it's just so hard to make that comeback. And year one, I think everyone should have known it was going to be rough for him. And I think this year, if, if he had played, he would be much better than he was last season. I, I he, you know, obviously we all saw the workout videos. He was working out with pretty much everybody over the off season, which is great. I love to see it. Uh, I, I wish him the best. But obviously, this this situation wasn't what he expected when he was traded here, when Harden was still on the roster.
0: Very true. Very true. And another guy like like you said in that same vein, Eric Gordon. Uh, what is his future as well? Another guy who fit in kind of really well as that kind of uh, scoring, kind of passing archetype for um, James Harden, kind of spelling him back in their heyday a couple of years ago. Another guy who, you know, is approaching his uh, kind of the middle of his 30s and a few here and also doesn't really fit with this team. He's obviously played some in the preseason. You would expect him definitely get some playing time. Maybe it's a showcase type of deal, but he has a little more trade value than than a uh, wall. So do you see that maybe resolve resolving itself in a trade?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked to see him be traded. Uh, he has two more fully guaranteed years on his contract at under twenty million, but then that third year is non guaranteed. But it triggers into a fully guaranteed if he either makes an All Star team or he plays five hundred regular season or seven hundred fifty regular season plus playoff minutes for a championship team. So oh, wow. any team, any team that looks at him as like, a, "Oh, we can," he's that missing piece we need for a championship team. Well, if you win that championship. Well, then that third season kicks in. So, that, you know, I think any continuing team that trades for him has to be mindful of that. Um, I think the All-Star, again, spot is very unlikely for him. But any team that views him as the missing piece, they got to they gotta look at that. Uh, given when I believe the Rockets will be trying to really make a splash in free agency, the 2023 offseason. So not this next one, but the one after that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure moving him in the immediate future makes sense if it means adding salary beyond that point. Uh, and the reason I think that that's the offseason to watch is that's when Christian Woods contracts comes up and not to get rid of him, but he's going to be a free agent. They had the bird rights on him so they can bring in another player, sign that, you know, impact player that may be intrigued by this Green Porter Wood trio and then sign Wood on for that, uh, that you know, larger, longer contract after they bring in that that impact player, giving them kind of like a four-headed hydra of sort, you could say. So That is interesting.
0: I hadn't looked at – yeah, that's a, a, a way of, of kind of rebuilding on the fly, a little bit of team construction there that you can kind of use to the best of your ability there, or maximum effectiveness rather. Exactly, exactly. Okay. I'm with that. Wow, that's interesting. I mean, either way, I, I think, uh, like you said, Wall's probably staying. What are the odds, you say, or what percentage would you say of Gordon being here next offseason?
1: Uh, so you're saying the beginning of next offseason or yeah, the end like, of next offseason? You know
0: what, like this time next year, like we're doing a preview pop of the Rockets. Is Gordon on the roster?
1: I don't think he's going to be on the roster this okay. time next year. I think he's going to be on the team at the end of this season. Okay, And then next offseason, similar to well, he he gets traded. But the Rockets shouldn't be in any any kind of pressure to move him because with only one year, uh, roughly $20 million on his deal at that point, that's, that's the year I, I kind of pinpoint for them to be trying to make the postseason. season okay. this year, I think is the, let's see what we got. Let's try to, you know, gin up interest in the team. Next season we make that playoff push. Then we have a bunch of contracts coming off the books and we can bring in talent to really go from maybe uh, 10 to eight seed to maybe a four to five seed in that okay. season.
0: That makes sense. I get that for sure. Wow. Wow. Okay. So looking more again, looking out at the Rockets, uh, who is one Rockets player that you kind of stock that you really kind of high on this year. Um, and then of course, uh, one player who's kind of stock has dropped to you that will probably, you know, get some playing time here for Houston. Uh,
1: KJ Martin uh, is a player that I really like. Um, I do wonder how much of a role will be available to him given just the glut of kind of forward wing bodies they have on the roster. You know, you got Nwaba also needing minutes, uh, Tate needing minutes, Gordon needing minutes, so there's a lot of guys, kind of, they're in that in that vein of player, and I don't mean to compare Gordon and KJ. They're not anywhere near as similar as terms of players, mm-hmm. but Gordon already started at the three in one in one preseason game. Uh, I think that it, it's just likely that there's not enough minutes. So so while I do have stock in him, I also kind of put his name in the 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 category of stock who's. Players whose stock has maybe dropped. Yeah. So personally, I love KJ, mm-hmm. but I could see how you know others in the fan base and in the front office they don't view him as as essential. Although I I would argue he is. Uh, if I could take the easy way out on the, the stock dropping though, by all means, I see Anthony Lamb. Oh. <laughs> Daniel, Daniel House because of the number debacle. I mean, yes,
0: that's interesting. Okay, so I need to. I'm glad you brought his name up because I don't want to go like a whole kind of segment to him, but like. Daniel House has had some moments. I mean, first off, you look at the bubble. I mean, he'll always be known for that. That, is, that made his name in all the worst ways. But I also heard, like, on, on Twitter and, like, seeing videos and stuff that he's kind of been lighting it up, Um, at least from training camp a little bit, at least in some of the preseason, I guess I've heard. Like, what is your s- stock on him? Because I don't think you're going to, like, trade him for, like, I don't know, a first rounder or something. That's probably not going to happen. At the same time, he, if he is playing well, you know, at 28, I think now, are you someone who's like, hey, we need to, like, again, you know, many, we get some good interest, like let go of him. Where do you kind of look at him? Cause he's not quite a bit player. I would say he's more like a high end role player for this team, but someone who I think um, it, it, he could potentially be a high end role player, but I really think would be a lot better, you know, on another team.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I was, I was a huge house fan two years ago <laughs> before the, yep. uh, yeah before, before the bubble stuff. I, I, th- I thought that there was a lot of intrigue to his game. He's a solid defender. He has a little bit of self-creation ability with the setbacks he likes to take, although some of them end up really ugly-looking, the, the, the end result. But his footwork is there. Uh, I would be in favor of moving him for an unprotected second-round pick from a from a mid-level team, honestly. Um, if you get a late first-rounder, you do that in a heartbeat, obviously. Uh, but I think that he's more valuable to another team than he is to us. Okay. Okay.
0: Definitely. I definitely agree with you on that. He's just a guy that fits on a team that, you know, has a, a clearly defined role and can perform that to the best of his abilities. KJ Martin is one that's pretty interesting. I do wonder if his role would be marginalized um, on a team where you're right. It's kind of hard to find a fit of someone who's like a kind of low usage, you know, utility kind of player, but one who's still mad young. And I mean, we saw him. I love the way he was catching bodies on the defensive end, you know, just blocking the biggest guys definitely reminds me a lot of his dad in that way. Um, in terms of just having these moments, you know, of just like just snuffing out a shot, I love his athleticism. Like the fact that he's growing a three-point shot. I think if anything, him being just a little bit undersized helps him in this NBA, but also hurts him in terms of a clearly defined role. Although I'd love to see him maybe at the three if he could kind of play that more, um, rather than than the undersized four. I have a heavy offensive lineup in my head of like Porter and Green in the backcourt. You know, you have um, um. Now nah, I'm getting mixed up. Oh, you have him in the front at the three. KJ with Alprin Shangun at the four. Uh, you need Garuba at the five because that's going to be a lot of points available um, to be had at the rim. But I'm just saying, like, that's where I'm at with him. But, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see kind of where these other guys find their way, especially as the Rockets till all the way to that new rebuilding youth uh, movement, something I haven't done in over a decade now, it feels like. Um, going Speaking of, like, season projections, where do you personally have the Rockets placed in the season? Because the over-under is at 26.5. Uh, so, you play that safe and take the under. Do you see them maybe being, like, a 28-29 win team? Uh, What is your kind of look at this Rockets team and where they could be win-wise?
1: Yeah, I think you kind of nailed it at that 28-29 win, te- win level. I think uh-huh. 26.5 is, is a fair you know, over, under, Mm -hmm. Uh, but given how much the team was injured last year, combined with the roster turnover Mm -hmm. and the new coach, not really having time to put a system in place with a lot of the roster they ended up having that year. I would take the over this year. I don't think they're going to be as good defensively as I see some people on rockets, Twitter want to believe. So like anything above like 32 wins seems like a stretch. But, you know, I think it's a, it's a tight window. Uh, if there, if God forbid, there were injuries that hit the team, then that 26.5 probably looks like a ceiling as, as more opposed than, you know, expected average. Yeah. Um, but 27 wins is definitely achievable with better injury luck and a full offseason of that team building chemistry.
0: No, that does make a lot of sense for sure. Uh, definitely see them a little higher as well. They're going to come in every game and fight. You know, I don't think it's going to be quite as bad of a. Of a losing kind of season as last year a lot of that was like also you know not only not having some of your better players but also injuries and and guys who weren't ready to take on that challenge I think you are better equipped now with quite honestly just better talent available to be had so there's something there um my last question is just something to throw at you here about the Rockets Uh, what are your thoughts on Steven Silas I definitely like um him as a guy who's really been putting in the work for you know, several decades now, um, really getting his chance. I don't think he had the, the – he got the short in the stick for a certain last season, but now he's getting a chance to really put his own imprint on this team uh, with a young roster that was some exciting talent. But what do you look at from a guy, you know, that is relatively new in NBA circles outside of last year? I um, mean, NBA – relatively new NBA circles from a head coaching position. He's been a standby for, like I said, almost a couple of decades now.
1: Yeah, I actually think last year, like, I get – everyone was like, oh, okay, you know, he was with the Mavericks and he, he – kind of was the ar- architect of that Luka Doncic offense two years ago mm-hmm. with the Mavericks. I didn't think last year was the ideal roster for him with the Rockets before the season because they just didn't have enough guys that could really go move off ball, do what he likes to do. He's a very creative offensive mind. I think now they kind of have more of those bodies that are going to fit into what he's looking to do. They still have a ball dominant guy in KPJ. He's no Hardener Doncic, obviously at this point, but I think that he's he's more of a you know let's let's get everyone kind of more involved type of coach. He, oh, wow. he 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 ran some horns last season, which is one of actually my favorite offensive set. I I I coach myself and I run horns quite a bit. So <laughs> it is a good to see things that I like, you know, on with the Rockets team. I'm high on him, you know, there, there's no reason to not be high on him at this point. He he's kind of made his mark as an assistant coach and i'm anxious to see how he makes his mark as a head coach definitely same here
0: someone i'm very high to see him kind of grow with this team and, and and if anything on a rebuilding squad being able to um put his own mark on i think it would have been awkward fit at best with a team with james harden and others who are already well established that you're you're really just kind of being in there because the coach you want to just just left you know what i mean it wasn't at all uh a unanimous kind of agreement to move forward so definitely with you there on that and, and really i'm anxious to see how Silas works with this roster um i gotta say patrick thank you man for talking rockets with me i do appreciate it we're definitely gonna have you back on here as just that rockets x because it's really this is really a fun time but um i gotta ask all my first time guests and you do qualify uh I, I would like to know your top five favorite players i started this about i want to say three months ago and i've had some just great great results i we talk to Nets reporters and they're actually from Minnesota. So they give my top, their top five players are all Minnesota Timberwolves. And like, I've had some guy come a friend of mine. So he's not some guy, but I'm being funny. He would give me his first, second and third team um, top five. I've had others that were all WNBA. So I've had a nice eclectic mix of of players. And I mean, you know me pretty well. My top five for the record is Monte Ellis, (laughs) um, Latrell Sprewell, Michael Beasley, Russell Westbrook, and Trey Rogier. Uh, And I actually just had, who was my honorable six man? I Had him, we were talking about him. Ay, ay, ay. Um, Steve Francis, there you go. So, <laughs> so I mean, you know me, you've seen my team building philosophy, you know my type of guy, but I am intrigued by your type of player. Um, and in this case, I call them the Hoop Vibe Squad. But who are your top five, Patrick?
1: So, I'm gonna go by position here, give you one of a uh, kind of each position. Point guard, point guard, I'm going uh, Baron Davis, okay. Uh, back in like NBA 2K7 or what, whatever it was when he was on the Warriors, he literally, I Scored 60 a game with him. Didn't, didn't really touch anyone else on the roster when I was playing my brother <laughs> and stuff. And so, Baron Davis, and, uh, my point guard. Marcus Smart, I, I really love Smart. I saw him play in the uh, Texas High School State Championships against the Harrison Twins. Wow. And I came in knowing the Harrisons. I, I you know, played, uh, you know, pick up at Lifetime with the Harrisons growing up a little bit. And so, I was like, okay, let me watch the Harrisons play. And Marcus Smart, wow. Forte was also on Smart's team. Uh, the Oklahoma State, old. Oklahoma State point guard. He was the best shooter on the court. Marcus Smart was by far the best player on the court. Uh, I've kind of been in love with his game since then. Small forward, I'm going with Rockets legend Shane Battier. Okay. Yep, yeah, yep.
0: I, I'm not too, okay.
1: Yeah, it, He growing up in Houston, Shane was kind of someone I modeled my game after. Um, defense and threes. Um, I'm a better ball handler now than I was when I was growing up, but uh, <laughs> I wasn't the greatest ball handler growing up, and so Battier was a player I could like kind of idolize and kind of replicate the game of somewhat
0: okay.
1: uh, power forward and rockets fans may hate me for this but uh, andre karolinko oh
0: wow yeah, yeah. I,
1: <laughs> karolinko is just so fun to watch he had so many just unique intricacies to his game that uh you know it's hard not to like him even as someone who he kind of did work against quite often i love karolinko's game and then at center i got the throwback of bill russell wow okay see i like this is a little bit of from your part i i
0: get this patrick like you have some guys who are they kind of just fit as like team kind of players they're definitely not the flashiest but they kind of perform their roles to the best abilities um on off numbers love them um you go bill russell the pioneer of one of those guys baron davis a personal favorite this is okay i'm with that i like to try to seek out the identity of these teams and that, that's a cool one well man i listen Thank you again for coming on. Really appreciate having you. We're going to have to have you back on for the Rockets in the future. This was fun. Um, tell people where they can find you. I know you're an NBA YouTuber. So let's share some of that stuff and, and where people can catch not only your work, but also your, your, your video stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Twitter at Hoops Metrox uh, and then YouTube uh, Stat Nerd Perspective. Uh, I have a video coming out very soon in the next couple of days for Jay Sean Tate. It's all video from last season. I don't have any of the preseason video for him, but it'll probably be 12, 13-minute video, I think, just breaking down Jay Shantae's game. And, you know, hopefully that can be a hit. We'll see. But I appreciate you having me on, Corbin. It's been awesome, and hopefully we can talk again soon, man. Oh, definitely, man,
0: without a doubt. Uh, Listen, y'all, definitely make sure to check out Patrick. You know where to find me. If not, it's all good. I don't care. On Twitter, at CorbinNBA. Uh, Hoopball. Check out Hoopball on Twitter, at HoopballTweets, dash ballcom Man, skip y'all one more time. Get that 20% off plus free shipping. I'm really trying to do y'all a solid Hoopball20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. One more time, Hoopball20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. Listen, y'all, for Patrick, for myself. We are Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty, and I will talk to y'all real soon. All right, y'all.